Let's pray and then spend some time in the Bible. Father, we thank you for um, all that you're doing in this season in teaching us about who we are in the resurrection of Jesus. And we pray that today, as we spend time together in your Bible, that you would indeed reveal yourself to us. Show us who you are, Jesus. Jesus, show us who the Father is. And Holy Spirit, we welcome your dynamic power among us while we're meeting this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have got your Bible with you, just in preparation, you might just want to open it up to 1 Peter. Peter's first letter to, um, it was actually to a whole series of churches, but we'll touch on that in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to open up there and get yourself ready. You know, it's times like this, occasions, days, celebrations like this where often you'll pull out the photo album, you might have a bit of a reminisce, a look back, have a look at some of the unique realities of the family that you come from. Um, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, whenever I do that or, or um, you know, uh, I'll take a photo of uh, myself and my kids with us, um, we'll often get like a comment, someone will say something to us or they'll um, make mention of it and they'll say something to this effect. They say, gosh, you can't half tell that you are Delaney's. And, I, and I'm kind of like, I'm like, why would you say that? What you know, and they'll you know, and I'll sort of go, well, why would you say that? You know, well, it's quite obvious. Particularly if you'll get my father and you'll get me and my son standing in a line, um, I go, oh my goodness, you can't half tell that you all belong together. You know, so I, we we bear some striking resemblances. You know, but as much as you said it as you're growing up as a kid, God, I hope I don't turn out like my dad. <laughs> Reality is, <laughs> there's a greater power at work. <laughs> but there's some commonalities about who we are, you know, as families. And um, it's kind of like um, when, you, when you look at your family in photos, uh, you'll think, gosh, they've all got the same nose, you know, or the way they, the way they walk or they use their hands or, gosh, their hands are the same. The way... Mannerisms. They all have the same mannerisms. Have you seen those sort of things before? There's this commonality about, um, about who we are and where we're from and who we belong to. And, and, uh, and uh, it's the same uh, in, the, in the Christian context as followers of Jesus, as children of God, as friends of God in Christ. There's actually meant to be this commonality of both features and activities that flow from who gives us our identity. And God gives us, the Father gives us our identity in Jesus. And so in belonging to God um, as followers of Jesus, there's meant to be this commonality about how we live that out. So much so that some people will go, that don't know Jesus, they'll go, oh, you're one of them. 
<laughs> you ever had that oh, in the workplace? Oh, yeah, you're one of them. You're one of those Christians. Or you're one of those weirdos, you know, those religious weirdos or something like that. But there is, meant, there is this response and reaction that people are meant to be able to go, um, there's something about them that makes them reflect where they're from. And um, it's the same when it comes to learning to walk in who we are in Jesus. We are meant to be this people type that others look at and they go, man, they've got some striking resemblances and, oh, you're one of them, a defining reality. Um, As someone who fellowships, being myself, fellowship with a lot of people from different parts of the church all over the world. Um, it's interesting when, you know, even recently I was at a, at a function and I was talking to um, some pastors from other churches and they said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from the vineyard. And they automatically go, oh, you know, they oh, <laughs> you're one of them. And we're like, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> but you never know quite sure if that's a... Oh, gee, I hope that's a good... Oh, you're one of them. <laughs> but, uh, and I'll often, when they do that, I'll say, well, what do you mean you're one of them? Because I want to I find out how we really are in the opinions of other people and not just in my own head. And I'll say, oh, you guys are the guys that feed the poor. Like, yes, that's us. You, oh, you guys are into the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's us. You guys like to heal the sick. You bet. You guys are very casual, often. (laughs) Maybe a little at times. (laughs) Maybe a little at times. But um, you guys do, do, you know, church and relationships in a very, um, it seems, messy way. Yes, we want to allow a lot of room for the reality of relationship with God and people. And so there's some, oh, that's where you're from. That's who you belong to. And, um, and behaviour reflects our belonging. Behaviour reflects our belonging. You know, let's boil it down to some of our everyday choices. Um, okay. Um, our children are ill. They are running a temperature. What do we do? Well, our behaviour tells us where we're from in response to circumstance. So for me, my first response reaction is, well, we need to pray. We need to put our hands on them. We need to tell the sickness to go and we need to ask the Father to bring the power of his kingdom to bear on them. Why? Because that's who tells me who I am and he shapes who I am and therefore informs what I do. Now, along with that, I will always, unless there's an immediate break, if there's an immediate breakthrough of healing, I'll go, fantastic, thank you, Lord, or I'll continue to pray for it. Um, but then if there doesn't seem like the kingdom's coming, if it seems like there's a block, a resistance, or I will then go, all right, let's get some Panadol into them. But my first port of call is to where I'm from. And as kingdom kids, as children of God, as people belonging to God, as we'll find out in a minute, that phrase, our first port of call should be where we're from. 
Our Father in heaven tells us who we are. And his telling us who we are tells us what's available to us and shapes our response to the circumstance. Our behaviour reveals our belonging. Um, in Peter's letter to the church here in, in 1 Peter 2 in a minute, it's a, it's a wonderful um, letter of encouragement to a whole bunch of early Christians that are kind of spread out all over this region. So like there's this number of churches that he's writing to at this one point. And they're having a real hard go of it. They're really trying to have a, like, how do we do this Jesus thing in a culture and a world that is thoroughly pagan, hates God, and is so selfish and given over to, you know, selfish gain and demonic realities? How do we do this? Because every time we seek to do it, we keep getting opposition, we keep getting pushed against, we keep getting told to be quiet and go away, our people keep getting killed, persecution is taking place. And so Peter's writing this wonderful letter of encouragement in the face of a cultural context like that to say, remember who you are. Don't ever forget who you are because it will shape your response in the context. Now, I just described the world at Peter's time when he's writing to the early church. But if, if reality is, not much has changed out there in terms of if you look at our time, if you look on our, in our world, who's, who's struggling for life, whose children are being stolen from them, um, children being innocently, you know, not even being given a choice to live the full term of their pregnancy. I mean, there's, there's so much brokenness, sickness, and demonic infrastructure at work in the world. And it's into the context of that that God is looking for a people who would reflect and behave who he is into that context. Not back away, but lean in and bring the Father's kingdom to bear in that context. So if you do have your Bible, would you just open it? 1 Peter 2, 1, uh, yep, 1 Peter chapter 2, and um, we're going to um, pick up in verse 1, we're reading verses 1 through 10, which reads, Therefore, friends, rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Now, he's talking to the church, <laughs> all right, so there's obviously... People just like you and me in his church that are dealing with these same said realities. Slander, you know. Oh, I didn't slander anyone. Yeah, well, you know, then when you sort of had that aggressive thought when that person like cut you off in the on the road today on the way here and you went, you, <laughs> that sort of stuff, you know. Those same said realities. Cut all that stuff away. Stop living two-faced realities, hypocritical lies, you know. Stop being envious of what one has over another and all that stuff. He's addressing that. He says, but instead, like a newborn baby, crave spiritual milk so that by it you might grow up in your salvation. <laughs> Have you ever heard that come from a parent or an authority figure along the way? Would you just grow up? <laughs> you know, Pete's saying that to the church. Come on, grow up. Don't let your circumstance tell you, how, you know, who you are. Now's the time. Grow up. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Why grow up? Because God's good. He's been good to you. 
So lean into his goodness and grow up. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God, precious to him and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So to those who believe in the reality of Jesus, he is so, such a precious reality to helping us grow up and live in our world under the goodness of God. For those who don't want to know Jesus, Jesus is a source of constant frustration and he's always going to bring Jesus' people around them and they're constantly going to be tripping over their own wisdom because Jesus is determined to love people to the Father. So he's he's a source of frustration to many as well. You only have to see it in our in our context, you know, when any Christian or follower of Jesus in a public forum or setting wants to give any kind of declaration to the precious reality of the Lordship of Christ, there's massive wave of reaction to that. You're a frustrating voice. Be quiet, you Christians. You know, church, be quiet. Go away. Such is our context that we live in. Um, They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, so he's now talking back to the followers of Jesus, the church. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. that, uh, That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, when we read the scriptures like that, and even when we listen to people teaching, we always tend to filter it through what I call the I box. Letter I box. In other words, I want to filter it down to what has this got to do with me? Peter is not writing to you. He is writing to us. You've got to understand that when Pete's writing here. He's not writing to the individual. He's only writing to the individual in as much as they understand themselves as a part of a us. Okay? So we need to somehow, with the help of the Holy Spirit, try and change that I box to a us box filter when we listen to Pete's letter, okay? So you've got to, ha- you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. And, and he will. He'll help you do that. So when, when Peter says you are a chosen people, let's just have a, have a quick look at that. There's, 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 there's nothing random about who we are. There's nothing, um, you know, uh, um, sort of flippant about why we're here and why God has grabbed a hold of us with his love. 
and even why we as a church and as a group of churches in the planet are, are moving as the vineyard movement. We've been chosen by God. Now, um, that's not a bragging right. That's not a um, I'm better than you thing. What it is, it's, it's a statement of understanding who I am. This is about identity. In this first little scripture here, uh, just go back there. You are a chosen people. He's reminding them of who they are together. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. He's saying, this is your roots. This is who you are. This is your identity. He's reminding them of who they are. And so being chosen is a really interesting uh, word there. In the Greek, um, uh, it, it's eklektos, but um, in the English, it's eclectic. It's eclectic. Now, if you get a whole bunch of different things, but you put them all together in the one picture, it's a very eclectic picture because it's not all the same. And yet, you only know that they're not all the same because they're in the same picture. So it's the, you have been chosen by God as to be this eclectic reflection of who God is in the earth. And you're never going to look like each other. But you only get to know who you are in the context of doing life with others. It's, you've got to hang on to this. And it's interesting too that in the New Testament when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's, he's about to die and, and break the power of the enemy's work in the earth, you know what they say? They say to him, ah, oh, let's see if he can save himself. Let's see if he's, and they use these words, let's see if he's the Christ, the chosen one. See, Jesus walked in chosenness. Jesus walked in chosenness. He knew where he was from, from his father. And he knew where he was returning to, to his father. But he walked in chosenness. And so whenever you and I, who have said yes to Christ, we now come into walking in chosenness. Because, not because of anything we've done, but because Jesus is the chosen one. And it was the pagan world that made that declaration. Let's see if he is the chosen one. And sure enough, three days later, he surprised them all in his resurrection. But relationship with Jesus is walking in the power of chosenness. And we've been chosen by the love of the Father to know the Father's love and give us our true identity in Jesus. Chosenness is a really interesting dynamic. We are called, we are chosen because of Jesus. And it's all gift and it's a life of thanksgiving. So let's kind of just unpack that chosenness a little bit about what that looks like in lifestyle. But to first hang on to this. That's your identity, chosen. Not in anything that you've done, but because you've trusted in the chosen one. So you've got the link there. He's the chosen one, 
Now you get to walk in the power of what chosenness looks like. Okay? And it's going to be a very eclectic picture when a group of people do it together. It's not going to look like the same as the person you're with or sitting next to or near. The way you walk out chosenness will have some similarities. Oh, you're, you belong to them. But it will be highly unique at the same time. It's a wonderful truth and it's a wonderful picture. But now he goes on, Peter goes on, and he starts to say, this is what chosenness looks like in lifestyle. He says, you've been cho- you are a, what does he say? You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may. So here's the outworking of chosenness, of your identity. Okay? You know, I just want to say, um, if, you can't, if you can't within yourself rest in the fact that you're chosen then there's something amiss. And if you can't actually declare that to yourself and rest in the reassurance of that, despite whatever's going on around you, something's afoot, something's not right. We're obviously not at that point trusting deeply enough in the chosen one who rose again. Your identity is chosen. Um, and doing the activities of, of chosenness in the hope that you'll come into feeling chosen won't cut it. Won't cut it. It's trusting in the chosen one that releases the power of chosenness through you. Okay? So in the hope of working hard and trying to make yourself feel like you're chosen, it's not going to work for you. But when you trust in the chosen one, his lifestyle flows out through you in real terms, not in airy-fairy hopes and dreams, but in real day-to-day terms. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Uh, Let's go and have a look at this, declaring. That word declare, it's, it's an awesome word. It means to celebrate or to tell. It means to publish. It means to divulge. It means to proclaim. Um, Chosenness is a lifestyle of declaration. There's something to be said about who we are. It tells a story. It tells a story. Who we're from declares a story. And, you know, we read loads of good books of people who've published their story of meeting Jesus and the and the chosenness and the impact of that on their life. We, 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 uh, we see people painting, uh, artists paint out of the reality that they've discovered that, that, that they're in the chosenness of God and it, it wants to come out and tell a story. Some people become raging evangelists in their lifestyle and they just can't help but verbally tell everyone they want to meet along the way that this has happened to me, this is where I'm from, this is who I belong to. Um, It it wants to seep out. Chosenness manifests in declaration. Loved by the Father, to proclaim the reality of a godly difference. You know, um, to live in chosenness or your true identity in Jesus is to have a lifestyle that speaks 
forth another reality despite your context. It speaks forth another reality, both in words and actions. It speaks of a kingdom difference. Now, when Nicole and I, about three and a bit years ago, maybe four years ago, were building our home that we're in at the moment, we were looking at all the homes that were going up in our area. And we were kind of working out designs and plans and all those sorts of things. And as we looked around the area, we saw that there was this commonality about all of the homes in our, in our street in particular and the streets around us. And, and the best way I could describe it is that it had seemed as if um, our area had come under the spirit of the wardrobe of Richie Benno. I don't know if you remember Richie Benno, but Richie Benno, he called... He used to be an Australian cricket captain. And, and Richie Benno then, for many years in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, as television cricket started to become more and more popular, he would be the front man, the, you know, welcome to World Series cricket or welcome to the test match. And Richie Benno had a wardrobe. And he had a wardrobe of suits. And they were either beige, cream, bone, off-white, white, and then they seemed to just go back through that same colour all again. And we just looked at all the homes in this area that we chose to live, that God put us in, and, 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 and we looked at all this and we've gone, oh my goodness, Richie Benno's been here. Every home is like bone, cream, off-white, beige. And on it's going, I'm like, no. There's... And so we were like, there's got to be a point of difference about our home. And so we went for dark chocolate bricks. So there's bone, cream, beige, off-white, dark chocolate brick, bone, cream, beige, off-white. And, I go, and, and if you drive down our street, I think we are the, one of the only houses in our whole street that is of, of a different nature in terms of its colour. It's still a home like every other home, but there's a point of difference. There's a standout point of difference to our home, to every other home, and that is just simply the colour. There's supposed to be this standout declaration or picture of life with God that is meant to break into the bone, cream, beige, everyday reality of our world. You, you, you have been chosen, loved by the Father through Jesus to declare a difference. So even in your families and the relationship quality or fibre of your family, you've been chosen in Jesus to bring another reality, the reality of the kingdom of God, of that's where our identity is in Jesus. And when family, as we're wrestling, trying to figure out how to, you know, we're just praying before for blended families. How do, how do they do that? Well, as followers of Jesus, well, there's got to be a point of difference. It's got to, as they're making the journey, how do we do singleness? How do we do um, economic difficulty? How do we do, um, you know, vocational uh, lack of joy? How do we, where's the point of difference of our identity to the cream beige and bone spirit of this world? It says, just be about yourself, make it about you, make as much as you can, secure your future, and, and hopefully you'll have enough. 
That's just all bone cream spirit of the age. You've been chosen in the chosen one in Jesus to declare a different story into your world. And so have I. And so have I. It's to make a declaration that, you know what, God does make a difference. And that is manifest in lifestyle, in what we choose to do in our context based on who we are. God has chosen you and me to be in a relationship with Jesus to both be and bring the distinct point of difference to our world by celebrating Jesus no matter what the context. We celebrate the chosen one who died and rose again and lives forevermore. We celebrate a life in him. We paint about it. We talk about it. We spend our life on him. We'll do everything because he's the point of difference. And he gives us our identity. God has chosen you and me to be in relationship with Jesus to verbally tell of that reality. Why would you do such a thing? Well, let me tell you why. Because he has captivated my life with his love, his forgiveness, his power, his healing, his saving grace. You see, once I was like this and now I'm like this. And I know that I'm even on my way to becoming this. All because the chosen one is the point of difference. You've been chosen in him. And God has chosen you and me to join with the chosen one in letting our words release the power of chosenness into contexts. You've got to understand, N.T. Wright, he's an amazing theologian if you want to look him up. and just, He's kind of like one of the, the it guys right now in the, in the theological realms of the world. It's just a brilliant, brilliant thinker. And, and he, I was watching this little YouTube clip of him the other week, and he said, you know, I don't think we've really figured it out. Our choices really matter now and into eternity. He said, I don't think we've really discovered the power of that yet. I was like, oh, NT, man, you are so right. That's his surname. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, anyway, uh, the... You, you and I have been saved into a chosen relationship with Jesus to let our words and our decisions release into our circumstance the power of God's kingdom. This week I was meeting with a friend and, and she was telling us that, uh, uh, just over a cup of coffee, that she'd been struggling of late of her sense of hanging on and hanging in there with God. There was much going on in her and around her that was wanting to confuse the matter. And, and she was having this, in the course of the conversation, she was sharing with me of this um, terrible condition that she was coming under the last couple of weeks where it felt like her throat was being like, constrained and sort of squeezed and suffocated. And we talked a little bit about the nature of that and in the course of it, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, ask her, what's her primary way of communicating with God? And then she tells, so I ask her, I said, what, what, how do you connect with God most, you know? And, and, and she said, it's through the gift of tongues. 
that the Lord's blessed my life with. And so I said, how's that going? Have you been able to be free in speaking in that gift of tongues much? She says, not for, not for a few weeks, not for a while. Ever since this sensation of being closed down and shut, shut off and suffocated. And I said, well, we need to fix that because that's a gift from God to you, his chosenness resting on you, and you need to be freed up in that again and flowing in that again so you can know who you are again and so you can contend with your circumstance again but do it out of God's love for your life. Just let's do that. So we prayed together at the coffee, at the coffee club there. We held hands over the table and we drank coffee and prayed and the love of Jesus just began to minister to her as we declared the kingdom of God to her. And I declared it to her throat. I said, throat, in the name of Jesus, receive the kingdom of God. And every demonic power that's trying to cut off this pathway of relationship, I forbid you in Jesus' name. I, I spoke the declaration of God into that, into that circumstance. I declared God is here for this woman. Now, it's got to change. And from there, she went and spent some more time with some folk. They more fellowshiped together more. They prayed together more. And anyway, long story short, she's now got tongues flowing again. Her connectivity with God is connected up again. She's making all these declarations and confessions over her life of who she is in Jesus again. And she's navigating her circumstance in the power of the chosen one. That's how, this is how it cuts through and breaks down. This is the mechanics of it. You've been chosen to declare. But what have you been chosen to declare? The praises of him. Now, this is interesting. This is really awesome. I love the way Pete uses his words, his choice of words here. He's, he's, it's, that, that, that work of praises is basically a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. You've been chosen to declare the virtues, feelings, and thinkings of God. That's what you've been chosen to do into any and all circumstance and situation in life. You've been chosen to declare the praises, the virtuous thoughts, thinkings, and actions of God. What have we been praising lately in our lives? What have we been declaring of late into our circumstances? Are we declaring the rule and reign of God? Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10, when you go to a town, heal the sick that are there and declare to them that the kingdom of God is there. Word and works, works and words. It all goes together. Don't just talk about it, do it. Don't just do it. Talk about it. They go together, the word and the works of God. But can you, can you just think of a circumstance right now that you're in, a weighty one, one that's maybe sort of owning a bit of your anxiety and sort of feeding into that. Stop and think for a moment. If I was to lean into the goodness of God, because I've tasted and seen that he is good, 
and he's inviting me to grow up in this moment, to lean into the power of chosenness. Just think about that circumstance, what it would look like if the power of chosenness was released into that circumstance through your declaration, through the celebration of your love for Jesus into that circumstance. And you took the virtuous thoughts of God into that situation and released the power of God's activity there. Just think about it. Friends, belonging releases chosenness. Chosenness reveals identity and and releases it. Identity releases a declaration. And declaration releases activity and power. You've been chosen to do the works of God in the earth. Don't sit there and hope that God will change it. He's inviting you and me to participate with him in bringing the change. Bring the change. You've been chosen. We've been chosen. Not by just some random act of randomness, but by the very love of the living God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to radicalize our world with love and see his kingdom come and not walk with low, bow-down frames and not sulk through our every moment, but to lean into, because we have tasted and seen his goodness, we're going to lean into who we are. We are chosen We are chosen in every context, doesn't matter where we find ourselves, in every difficulty and in every victory. That doesn't matter. That doesn't affect or change. We are chosen. Chosenness broke into the world. Chosenness continues to break into the world through the people of God. And chosenness at the end of the day will completely radicalize this world with the love of God in Jesus Christ. God has saved you for this very reason. He has chosen us. I haven't got time for that. Well, for those who choose not to lean into it, it will be a constant source of stumbling and frustration to you. Absolutely it will. And you will wear yourself stupid out trying to get around the capstone, Jesus. You can wander wide, you can wander long, you can try and frustrate him, but in the end, you will stumble over the reality of who he is because he is the capstone. He is the chosen one. Jesus is the living king and his chosenness is breaking into the world all over the place in the power of love. Where do we walk this out? Well, he says it quite clearly. He says, um, you've been chosen, let me just go back here, you've been chosen to declare the praises of him who called you out of where? Darkness. Into wonderful light. Where does chosenness manifest best? In where? Darkness. Wherever the lights are out. That's where the kingdom wants to come. Wherever there is resistance, denial, and opposition, that's where the kingdom wants to come. 
That's where the rule and reign of God wants to come. Here's what chosenness looks like. Because we've been, in, we've been actually anointed by the spirit of the chosen one. By the spirit of the living Jesus. And he says, I've been anointed to preach good news to the poor, bring freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to release those who are caught in oppression, and to proclaim the year of God's favour. Whoever we're walking around doing life with in our situations where there's darkness, that is begging for chosenness. That is begging that the chosen ones will step forward and bring the release of words and works of the king. That's where it happens, where it's dark. And it happens both with me, the individual, and it happens with us as the people. The kingdom comes for you as he comes for me and everyone else. He's not just coming for them and forgot about you. It doesn't work like that. It's for all people, for all time. So this, um, I, I just want to finish off this morning by saying... Once you were not a people, but now that you are a people, you're a people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have. But friends, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk and grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that God is good. And looking in this room, I'm pretty much got a handle on everyone in here in that I know your story and your backstory and... Most of you, there's a few strangers in here that I don't know. I hope to get to know over time. And I say this to you as I say it to myself. Grow up. Grow up in the most positive and blessed way. I declare that to you. Step into the power of living chosen. Stop begging because that's not what the Father's children do. They just go to the Father and they say, please. And he is pleased. He is a good Father and King to release the power of his kingdom to you. Grow up, people. Our world needs chosenness desperately. And that is who we are. That is who we are. Now, I'm making that as a declaration over. We are chosen by God. Don't care what man says. We are chosen by God. I'm not drawing my identity from what the world wants to tell me. I'm drawing my identity from God. We are drawing our identity here at the vineyard from the Father of the Chosen One in whom we have relationship. We are chosen. We're chosen. Grow up into it. Begin to wear it. Begin to exercise the power of it, the authority of it. But it's, 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 he says it there like babies. We start as babies, but you've got to grow up. There's a growth process. So where I want you to stop and think for a moment. When you last made a conscious decision to put yourself in a place of determined growth in God, and or it might have been the opposite, where you said, 
that's it, that's as far as I go, that's as much as I'm doing, that's as much as I'm going to give to you, I'm choosing to stop growing in chosenness. Either way, just think of that point, where that, where that is. We've all got those moments. Bring it to memory and lay it down. Leave it there and come alive in who you are. Live to God in Christ. Chosenness. Chosenness. Don't let your situation tell you if it's been um, pushing against that truth. Don't let that tell you how you should behave. Don't let it determine your responses. We're loved by God. We are the friends of Jesus. We're the children of the kingdom. Let's behave like it. Out of trusting in the love of the chosen one. We're going to get into this in a minute. Um, there's some, I'm going to pray in a minute and um, we'll minister into that. But right now there's some words of knowledge for healing.